All right, glad you're with us. Happy Friday. This is interesting. Somebody just sent this to me. Bed Bath Beyond stock has collapsed a whopping 36% after they canceled my pillow. Hmm. Guess conservatives have buying power. Uh, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Glad you're with us. A lot of ground to cover on the show today. You know, I want to start with this. Um, We have spent an awful lot of time on this program over the years explaining why we end up being right and so many in the mob, the media, end up being wrong. I've told the story more than a few times about my experience when I was a local host in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, it happened to be the year that I moved up to New York to start the first day Fox News went on the air. And it was after the Summer Olympics, if you remember, in 1996. I'm often reminded because in my office, a year-end edition of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution says, 1996 was a great year. The Olympics came and Sean Hannity left. It's always nice to be honored by the city in such a way when I when I arrived four years earlier, then Mayor actually became very friendly with. He's since passed away, Maynard Jackson. He welcomed me to his city, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, anyway, so it, it's it's just interesting to me that the, the experience I learned is I'm on the air and all of a sudden fits the profile of the lone bomber. If you haven't seen Clint Eastwood's movie, it's worth watching. And because, and this was the guy we all thought was a hero and saved lives, which ultimately it turns out he did do. And that, but the media rushed to judgment and they said, well, because he lives with his mother, he fits the profile of the lone bomber. And they turned this guy's life into just a living hell. I'm, I, look, I'm convinced he probably, the stress of it all, you know, probably half killed him. He died as a young man. I think he was 44. Just a tragedy. And it turned out he was a hero. Just a sad story all the way around. But I was on the air when it broke, and I'm like, okay, so what? He lives with his mother. And I'm just, that, that's just me. He's a domestic terrorist. And everybody racing, and just, I mean, it was an onslaught for this guy and family and the mob, you know, camped out in front of his home. You know, no due process, no presumption of innocence, not even, not even a glimmer of a presumption of innocence it was just everybody they thought they had wrapped this up and figured this sucker out they didn't they were wrong turns out they were wrong and you know over the years that lesson it really it's it served me well to learn it that early in in my career because I've applied it in a lot of cases and we end up being right in the mob the media they end up being wrong uh, I can give you some high-profile examples. You know, the Cambridge police acted stupidly. Uh, or what happened in Ferguson. Hands up, don't shoot. Remember? That never, Darren Wilson lost his job and career, but there were multiple eyewitnesses that actually had had testified and confirmed and corroborated Officer Darren Wilson's story about Michael Brown. And then you have the Freddie Gray case. That was in Baltimore in a rush to judgment there. I remember saying very early on, uh, it is not going to work out the way everybody thinks with the convictions everybody assumed was coming based on what rush to judgment, no due process people were saying publicly. It's irresponsible. You raise people's expectations of, of a certain outcome, and when it doesn't happen, they claim, oh, the system's corrupt. 
when in reality it never was going to happen. They weren't being straight, and they just ran with what they thought was their good narrative, often sadly for political considerations. I had my sources on the ground in Ferguson, Missouri, telling me that there were eyewitnesses on the record, not public yet. Remember, sources, I don't reveal my sources. I'm a member of the media, member of the press. And that helps me get a story that nobody else is getting. The same thing in Ferguson, Missouri. I had law enforcement contacts that this is not what they're saying it is. And it gave me, and I, I, I go my own way. That's what I mean when I say I'm independent. We go our own way. We do it in our own time. We did the same more recently with the election. I followed the things that I thought, you know, really need to be discovered. Oh, partisan observers couldn't observe? Well, that's what the law says. That's the law. The consent agreement in Georgia. That is, you know, you buy, you can't bypass the state legislature and have two standards for signature verification. The Constitution in the state of Pennsylvania, the U.S. Constitution, that state legislatures ought to, are, are responsible for the voting systems or the laws in Wisconsin and Michigan against early voting, for example. And we, we stayed focused on these issues. Um, and I'd listen to what everybody else was saying. We did our own research. Sometimes we're a little late in reporting but i i wasn't going to go with something that i myself didn't have confidence in was accurate and true that i had verified and vetted myself so and and it happened with duke lacrosse i mean i was watching a 30 for 30 on espn on duke lacrosse that show 30 for 30 on espn is a great show and it brought back so many memories and i actually took the time at one point i didn't rush to judgment and again, I had sources. I do my own research. Uh, I do my own investigations and I, I don't follow the mob. And I went out there and was one of the few people on TV that was raising a lot of questions that nobody else was raising. And I learned pretty early on, there's no way this happened. Now it was sad in that case, because the kids ultimately had to prove their own innocence and thank goodness there was an, an ATM machine record with a video. Uh, there was when when one of the kids went back to the dorm, uh, they literally used a card and it recorded that he had returned home and it was his card and other people there verified. Yes, that was him. And he wasn't there at the time in question. And that this didn't happen. As the allegation said, you had professors rushing to judgment and taking out full ads in the newspaper parked outside of where these these college kids live their names dragged through the mud the family you know has to go through hell i mean it's it's awful and i just i just don't rush to judgment and every single time it has served me well uva is another case and every single time we're separate and apart from the mob russia 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 that's another case on the on the first impeachment shift show, well, if the standard is that you can't have a quid and a pro and a quo, okay, we, I think we're the only show that regularly pointed out that all of the, quote, witnesses happen to be either hearsay witnesses or opinion witnesses, and that in that case, ultimately, there was only one fact witness, and that testimony was exculpatory for President Donald J. Trump. Which is, no, he didn't ask for a quid or a pro or a quo. He said, I want nothing. The exact words. Meanwhile, Joe's on tape. And I'm like, well, if you're going to apply the standards here, why don't we apply the standards in, in uh, 
to Joe Biden, you're not getting the billion dollars unless you fire the prosecutor. Uh, and that's investigating my zero experience on Hunter. Of course, the media didn't, you know, want to hear that truth either because there was like a they were they were out there and they got their impeachment. They weren't going to go through another Mueller failure for investigation into Russia, Russia, Russia. Nothing, nothing, nothing. No apologies from a lying media. Conspiracy theories spewed everywhere, here, there, and everywhere. They they're just they're so corrupt. They lie with abandon. And, you know, now they want to be the arbiters of what you can hear and read and who they're going to cancel and shut down if you're not part of their propaganda stream. And I'm not. And I never will be. Well, here we go again. That's why. What was Jonathan Turley saying about snap impeachment? Right. Jonathan Turley warning all of us about the snap impeachment. What does the articles talk about? Donald Trump, his words at the rally, the 6th of January, the ones where he said many of you will peacefully, peacefully, peacefully keyword and patriotically march to the Capitol to let your voices be heard that speech and they'll say well that directly incited what happened at the Capitol there's no investigation there was no due process no presumption of innocence no it's let's have a one-week impeachment with no hearings no evidence presented no defense offered and let's just go with it and then dump it on the lap of the U.S. Senate and I was reporting, I guess it was last week or the week before, I don't remember, all runs together in my brain, uh, how, in fact, even now, CNN and the Washington Post are to say, well, investigators are beginning to believe and real court records now show that investigators think that, in fact, a lot of this was planned ahead of time. Well, I have in front of me, I picked the two most liberal, one most liberal newspaper, one of them between the New York Toilet Paper Times, the Washington Compost and fake news CNN headline on the Washington Post. Oh, my goodness. It says pipe bombs were found near the Capitol on January 6th are believed to have been placed the night before. Fake news CNN pipe bombs found near the Capitol on January 6th were placed the night before FBI says. Well, hang on a second. Well, doesn't that take the narrative that it was the rally where Donald Trump said, I know many of you will peacefully, patriotically march to the Capitol so your voices will be heard. I thought I thought Donald Trump incited this, quote, insurrection. And you want to talk about double standards? Well, of course, we have, I'm going to take Trump out tonight, Maxine Waters, and you get in their faces, you create a crowd, and you follow them into the grocery store, you tell them they're not wanted anywhere anymore. Or Kamala Harris after the, police precinct was burned to the ground and the riots in Minneapolis. You know, she's out there helping to raise bail funds for the people that are in were responsible and involved um, in that insurrection or riot, depending on word, what words you might like. Seems like the word of the, the month happens to be insurrection. And so if you apply the same standards, wouldn't it apply to Kamala Harris? Wouldn't it apply to Maxine Waters? Or Chuck Schumer on the steps of the Supreme Court threatening Gorsuch and Kavanaugh? Wouldn't it apply to Nancy Pelosi, who applauded the the those that stormed the Capitol in Wisconsin and she praised them? Uh, wouldn't it apply to, to Joe Biden? Uh, and I'm going to take him in the back of the gym and beat the hell out of him. Imagine any conservative today saying, I wish I could take Joe Biden to the back of the gym and beat the hell out of him. What the, would the response be? Well, probably and should, in my opinion, 
result in a phone call or at least a visit from the Secret Service for threatening the life of a president or any elected official. That's why I keep saying we need a 9-11 style commission to see that we can never allow this to happen again. It can't happen. And now that we know the pipe bombs are found near the Capitol, believed to have been placed the night before, according to the FBI, well, that means that they planned it, they orchestrated it, and that it wasn't directly uh, uh, connected in any way. It was planned ahead of time. And one story saying, yeah, they actually they entered from the front and the back simultaneously. How did we miss, how do we not have people, law enforcement ready when a few hundred thousand people you know are going to be marching over there? This can't happen in this country. It's not about politics, but that's all right. That doesn't stop Ocasio-Cortez from trying to say that uh, uh, Ted Cruz tried to have me murdered last week. Is that, is that irresponsible rhetoric too? Yeah, it is. And this is where we find ourselves in this country. Talk about an information crisis in this country you know just the latest example and that this is why republicans should not be any part of this now they're saying well maybe we'll censure no you got to censure the president then you got to do it to pelosi to biden to kamala harris to maxine waters and every other democrat chucky schumer apply the same standards and stop rushing to judgment the country's been put through four Almost five years of hell and lies, and they just continue. The media, there's no truth in them. So, headline, fake news, CNN. Let's see. Two pipe bombs near the Democratic and Republican Party headquarters discovered on January 6th, the day of the, quote, insurrection, as the liberals and media, their favorite new word, uh, were planted The night before the insurrection at the Capitol, the FBI said Friday, that would be today, federal, oh, that means they rushed to judgment. It was a snap impeachment. That's the danger to the Constitution, snap impeachments. Oh, okay, Jonathan Turley, all these constitutional lawyers, never mind a post-presidential impeachment charade shift show. Federal authorities, again, increase the reward for information, and I hope if people have it, please share it with law enforcement. This cannot happen in our country again. How this ever happened in a post-9-11 world is beyond me, and they better dig down deep and find the signs that they missed. Anyway, they released new details and photos of a suspect Friday, underscoring the urgency, rightfully, The Justice Department is treating this angle of the investigation, which remains one of the most troubling mysteries for law enforcement. We got to get to the bottom of this. A new wanted poster says that the bombs were placed between 7.30 and 8.30 p.m. on January 5th before the insurrection. They've identified the suspect's shoes as Nike Air Max Speed Turf shoes in yellow, black, and gray, if that helps anybody, including enhanced photos of them along with photos of the devices and rewards for the information, location, arrest, conviction of the person is now $100,000. FBI ATF had already increased the reward once to $75,000. They need this information. Anybody out there? You have any? Even if you think it's small and maybe insignificant, it may not be. But it certainly does mean another thing, that this was not a spontaneous uh, insurrection 
inspired by the president who said you'll peacefully, patriotically let your voices be heard. 25 till the top of the hour. Thanks, Scott Shannon. Uh, oh, headline. Why is Biden looking to give free vaccines to other nations before the U.S. reaches herd immunity? It's from the New York Post. President Biden flanked by VP Kamala Harris. We're not going to stop. We shouldn't stop. They're not going to stop. We're not going to stop. And Dr. Anthony Fauci, we got a lot wrong. Not being critical even by saying that. They got a lot wrong. Now we're going to double mask as of last week. Guy that was against masks for a long time. All right, one mask. Now we need two. Uh, And I'm not against masks. I said to wear it for other people. So I can go to a baseball game, football game again, please. You know, if it works, if it prevents grandma and grandpa, vulnerable people from really having a problem, I have no problem wearing it for them because it's now we've got the vaccine. It's just a matter of time. Hopefully the new variant from South America is scary. I don't know if you're allowed to say that. Not allowed to say Wuhan virus, China virus and the Biden White House. What does that mean? If you say it, you're going to get fired. What if you say German measles? Uh, It's a geographical location, Joe. Anyway, he's there. He informs the World Health Organization. Now, my understanding is we pay all this money to the World Health Organization, and that's like the the China Protection Program, because they don't even want to yet even fully acknowledge that the virus came from China and Wuhan province. It's unbelievable. And they pay, it's, it's sort of like, You know, we pay all of this money for the Paris Climate Accords and China pays next to nothing with no standards because those accords recognize them as a developing country. And we're the suckers paying 500 billion a year, whatever the million a year, an insane amount of money. China, like 30. It's nuts. Same with the World Health Organization. Now they're saying that the Biden administration will participate in the WHO's vaccine sharing program. Now, we want to be good neighbors, good citizens, and and help innocent people out. We don't want anybody to die. Why would we want? No. But we developed the vaccine. America, we're we're the taxpayers. We're paying for it because everyone gets it for free. I don't have a problem with that either. We want everybody vaccinated. We want people to have, we want to go back to normal living again. And this is a, you know, reverses Donald Trump's America first approach. It's just like with energy. You know, it's, you know, we're going to stop drilling and building the wall. We'll put tens and tens and tens of thousands of of workers out of work all in the name of the new green socialism deal. Meanwhile, the lifeblood of the world's economy remains energy. So it's an America last foreign policy because it's going to make the hostile regime of Putin and the hostile actor Putin rich again and the mullahs in Iran and China and Middle Eastern countries that hate us rich again. America last. And we're, we, we just, it, it is the dumbest thing. All right, I have no problem sharing the sequence of the virus, how to, how to make the vaccine. None, but Americans got to go first. That's it. This is, this is 101. You have Americans, you know, scrambling to get vaccinated. And they have a right to know how sharing doses with other countries first is going to affect their own ability to get vaccinated. Fauci says the goal is to ensure equitable access to vaccines. How about we get it to every poor American first, every vulnerable American first, 
every healthcare worker first, everyone with a compromised immune system or underlying condition or a comorbidity first. Why don't we do Americans first? Is that such a horrible thing? Apparently it is. President Biden has been under pressure from the public health community to share the vaccine supply, not not just the technology. We, I mean, fine, share with them how to make it. If they need agents and we have extra, give it to them. If we have extra doses at some point, give it to them. But we got work to do here to protect our American family first. Sorry. You know, I, I have no problem. Look, America always does this. We always share with the rest of the world. The most generous country on the face of the earth. The most generous people. Of course we're going to share what we've discovered to prevent death around the world. But first, we, we got to save the American people first because there's a lot of them still dying and contracting the virus. Worst pandemic since 1918. But I guess that's it. By the way, this thing is exploding in New York. The Democratic Attorney General New York literally has a report out. It is a devastating report. I mean, it is devastating about how they underreported the number of nursing home deaths in New York. In other words, by as much as 50%. And that comes despite the governor's repeated denials. Now, remember, there's been a whole litany of excuses made here. Well, the nursing homes wanted money and, and then blaming Trump, 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 Trump. The, the real sad part of this, on top of everything else, is Donald Trump built the biggest hospital in the country at the Javits Center. They built other hospitals around the state. Not only did Trump build the hospitals, then he had to convert them so they could take COVID-19 patients. And he sent the, the hospital Navy ship. Now, the Javits Center was, was 75% empty. They never used the beds. Same with the Navy hospital ship. Same with a lot of the other hospitals. Then, you know, Samaritan's Purse builds a, a park, uh, a, a park center that they promise to take care of everybody. They're not proselytizing. They're just offering care because that's what they do. And then they're, they're under fire the whole time because of their views on Christianity. They're not there to share their views on Christianity, I guess, unless somebody wants them. I mean, they, they don't have to keep their mouth shut, but they're there to save lives. And then they got so fed up at one point, they just packed up and left. Unbelievable. I mean, over at Fake News CNN, you got this guy, one of their reporters out there being mocked for tone-deaf reporting. We are, Cuomo's COVID response was less stellar than it seemed. They've been fawning over there at Fake News CNN forever. Oh, this is real leadership. Why? Because he did a PowerPoint that somebody else prepared for him, and he, and he spoke... You know, he's the same guy that said in late March, we're New Yorkers, we're not like these other countries, and, you know, we, we've got the best medical care in the world. Not exactly. Didn't work out that way. And and I'm not even, we were told a, a lot of, fa we were all given a lot of false information. One thing I was right about from the get-go, I said, American medical researchers, scientists, doctors, we have the best in the world, and we're going to solve this problem for the world. That turned out to be true. Took a year. Never, We never broke down the sequence of a virus in like less than nine years. Unbelievable, incredible speed. That, that, and they, they, they all deserve the Medal of Honor.
Anyway, by the way, this, wow, this is really blowing up. So what happened on the GameStop and, you know, everybody's kind of, we're all in the same place here. I mean, it's kind of a weird moment when you have Ted Cruz, AOC, although AOC doesn't want to work with Cruz because he tried to have her murdered. We'll get to that later, which is crazy. Um, but in so many ways, it's kind of like the deep state exists in every aspect of our lives. Just think about this for a second here. And, you know, here you have a bunch of little guys. Now, I love the fact that people, you know, Robin Hood and Ameritrade and, and all these companies, what they do is, unlike these big hedge funds, every time you buy and sell a stock, which is not my, I can't, I can't stand the stock market if you want to know the truth. I've always, I have a gut sense that it's rigged. I've always felt that way, and it's not my wheelhouse. Anyway, so Robin Hood is under huge fire. Now, they beat, it was David Goliath, and they beat the hedge funds. One of them, Melvin, even went under and, and had to get out of the shorting business because these, these hedge funds, they short stocks. I mean, they're betting the stock is going to go down. It's created great anger and antipathy among companies because if they're targeted for a short sale, usually it negatively impacts in some cases, could even destroy their ability to stay in business and keep doing business. And it's it's just a practice to move money around and, and guess the right way. And in this case, you're going to guess that it's going to do poorly and you make a ton of money on it. And, and they've gotten away with it for a long time. So in comes a bunch of people that figured out that they were shorting even more stock than was actually in, in reality and in existence and they banded together and they decide, you know what? Screw this. We're going to drive. We're going to buy these stocks like, for example, GameStop and BlackBerry and a couple of others. And sure enough, you know, a five dollar stock goes all the way up to four hundred and fifty bucks. And where Robinhood now has gotten in trouble is that they at one point yesterday, they literally limited the buying. You couldn't buy. Now, they did. I want to be clear here. You could still sell your securities. If you had already bought in, you could still sell them, but you weren't allowed to buy it. Now, there's two arguments here. One is, and I think I read the interview on CNBC of, of Robin Hood's CEO. It seemed like an interesting guy, Andrew Sorkin. I don't know the answer to this. This is not my wheelhouse, so follow me here. And, and he's making the point that they made a very tough decision, and it was a tough call, and they did it on their own. And the reason they did it is because Robinhood's a brokerage firm. We have lots of financial requirements, SEC. This, these are uncharted waters. And my gut is the decision was made is they didn't want people that don't know what the hell they're doing buying in at 450 or 300 only because in the end, that stock is going back to five bucks. That's, that's, that's my take on it. On the other hand, and this is uh, who made this point? Dave Portnoy made this point, and it's a good one over at Barstools, and he thinks people have to go to jail. The fact that they stop people from buying it, he thinks is criminal behavior. Uh, you know, I've been trading heavily, he said, since quarantine started. I was shocked by this. I guess he was on with Tucker last night. Anyway, and he did invest in AMC, Nokia, and there are two of the stocks that the Reddit app guys and Wall Street guys were pushing and he says he believes in the power of Internet and freedom. And he's making a strong argument when I saw what Robin Hood was doing, you know, which is kind of they, they were they were going up against the big guys that have the full on advantage. And what's fascinating in this is 
oh, as soon as other people start getting rich playing this Wall Street game of, of money betting, because there's a certain amount of betting and risk to it all, and all of a sudden there's short sales now when, when the money comes due on the borrowed shares, because you borrow them, which is bizarre in and of itself, uh, and there's not even enough stock to cover it, they were screwed. You can't If you have only 100 stocks and that they short 140 stocks, those are 40 phantom stocks that don't even exist. That can't happen. That should never happen. Anyway, and so he's mad about it and and because he thinks, and I, I kind of lean towards this argument here, people should have the freedom to do it. Look, it's not my thing, but I will tell you this. What I liked about the story is Goli- Goliath was slain and beaten, really, by David in this battle. And now all of a sudden in comes the government. And then as a result of government action, pressure, whatever, well, now they they stop your ability to even keep it up so that the, the calls for the short sales will be locked in at a lower rate instead of keeping it high, which the Robin Hood guys would have an ability to do. And they're still free to talk to each other, meaning the hedge funds, but now they're they're saying that the people that organized and went together to battle the hedge funds, oh, they're not allowed to even talk at this particular point. And it's like, you know what? The rich, the hedge funds are playing this game. And you know what? So far, they've been winning. And now, all of a sudden, you got some independent people making a decision. They want to do this together. I think they ought to have the freedom to do it. That's my take on it. Um, anyway, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. This is, this is going to become, I promise you, a legal mess. My only admonition, and I'm a nobody, I don't know this business, is just be careful, because I'm telling you, at the end of this road, a lot of people are going to be hurt. And by defining hurt, they're going to lose a lot of money. It's, 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 it's going. That is, in my opinion, inevitable, but talk to your own financial guys and take your own counsel, because what the hell do I know? 800-941-SEAN is our number if you want to be a part of the program. All right, we got a lot of ground to cover here today, and uh, Ted Cruz is going to check in with us. We'll get to him. Uh, I have a lot to say about where we're headed, and, you know, there's a lot of things happening, and I think there's a lot of false notions about 2022 and one thing we have to understand as part of this equation, the, elector, the electors, the, the legislatures in states now need to fix their, their broken election systems and where there's imperfections and, and make sure laws are going to be followed and constitutions followed. And the second thing is we've got to show people that have bought into this false lie of socialism and the false promises therein that they understand that they're giving up their freedom and none of these promises will ever be fulfilled. As now people in the oil and energy industry are learning firsthand, as people that are involved in building the, the border wall know firsthand. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, toll free. Our number is 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of this extravaganza, joining us now, Senator Ted Cruz, the great state of Texas. Did I read this correct, Senator? Did China sanction you again? Is the Communist Party uh, lashing out at you again? Because probably that's, you know, right up there with a Medal of Freedom. Well, China has now sanctioned me not once but twice. Uh, Congratulations, by the way. We're so happy for you. You It means you're doing something right, Senator. You know, it means our, our... 
summer vacation in Beijing is, is now we're going to have to put a pause on it. And even more distressing, we're not going to be able to go to Tehran either. So it, it, it really is limiting the choices of where to play with the kids this summer. You know, I, it's funny. You and I were on the same travel path. I was thinking, let me go to let me go visit the uh, the, the mullahs in Iran and see if we can talk reason with them. And the Chinese President Xi, who's getting more aggressive by the day and probably doing backflips like Putin and the mullahs and Middle Eastern countries that hate us over Biden's energy plan. Well, that's exactly right. You, you look at what Joe Biden has done in just a couple of weeks, and it has dramatically weakened U.S. energy production. It has destroyed jobs here at home. And the people who are getting rich on it are Vladimir Putin, are Iran, are the Middle East and the energy producers. Basically, the, the Democrats' brilliant idea is to try to destroy energy independence here at home, destroy jobs here at home, and make us more dependent on energy from our enemies which pollutes the environment more and gives them billions of dollars to use to try to kill Americans. You know, it is, it's a scary time for everybody. And um, I, I believe that you're right. Your criticism was on the issue of China's deepening control of Hong Kong, which we now see happening more and more. Uh, I'm also similarly concerned about uh, Taiwan, and I'm also concerned about uh, you know, we're going to go back to what the good old days of preferential treatment that, you know, we're part of the Paris Accords that views them as a developing nation. You know, we pay 500 million or whatever it is a year. China pays 30. I mean, the World Health Organization won't even recognize that the virus is from China. Joe signs an executive order banning the term China virus or Wuhan virus. It's unbelievable. Well, it's been one of the most disturbing patterns we've seen in the first couple of weeks of the Biden administration has been a hard pivot towards an embrace of communist China. You know, we've seen Biden nominee after Biden nominee come and and, and take extreme positions. For example, Tony Blinken, the new secretary of state, was asked if he would maintain the entities list, which are the sanctioned companies in China who have participated in, in genocide and oppression. He refused to commit to maintaining that list. Gina Raimondo, who's the governor of Rhode Island, nominated to be Commerce Secretary. I asked her at her hearing if she would commit, at the very minimum, to keeping Huawei on the list. Huawei is the giant Chinese telecom company that is basically an espionage company. She wouldn't make that commitment. And I'll tell you this week, Sean, Biden's nominee to be ambassador to the United Nations, uh, At her confirmation hearing, I asked her about a speech she gave a little over a year ago in 2019 to a Confucius Institute. Now, Confucius Institutes are owned, controlled, paid for by the Chinese Communist government. They've been set up at U.S. universities all across the country. They are major hubs of espionage and propaganda. I've led the efforts in the Senate to crack down on Confucius Institutes passed bipartisan legislation that has shut down dozens of Confucius Institutes. Well, it turns out Biden's U.N. ambassador nominee gave a paid speech to a Confucius Institute in October of 2019, where she praised China effusively and said America should follow the example of China. You know, I'm watching you in in these hearings. Weren't you the one that asked uh, the question about, was it the Commerce Secretary nominee about raising taxes on the middle class? 
I mean, we're learning a lot, and there seems to be little to no attention being paid to the people that Biden is surrounding himself with. Well, they're all elites. They're almost all super wealthy, and and they look down on working-class men and women. You and I have talked about, for years, the most dramatic shift of the last decade. is It used to be conventional wisdom that Republicans were the party of the rich and, and Democrats were the party of the poor. That has flipped on its head. It is now the case that Democrats are the party of rich coastal elites and Republicans are the party of blue-collar workers, of union members, of construction workers and truck drivers and steel workers. You know, his first day in office, Joe Biden sat down, signed an executive order, shutting down the Keystone Pipeline. That was 11,000 jobs that Joe Biden destroyed, 8,000 union jobs that he just made go away with the stroke of a pen. I asked multiple Biden appointees, what do you say to, to, to that construction worker whose job Joe Biden just destroyed? Essentially, they said, go jump in a lake. You know, you played hey, it. Can, the, I, can I play the exchange yeah. that you had with Pete Buttigieg? Let me play sure. that. So for those workers, the answer is somebody else will get a job? The answer is that we are very eager to see those workers continue to be employed in good paying union jobs, even if they might be different ones. Senator, I've been interviewing these guys on radio and TV. They're making anywhere between one hundred and two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. They won't have a job next week. Who's going to pay their rent and mortgage? And well, we want you to get another union job. Well, they had a good one that you just you just ripped away from them in the stroke of a pen. But you're exactly right, and the Democrats don't care. Um, you know, John Kerry. You played at the intro to this segment, John Kerry really astonishing news conference where the guy is is a centimillionaire. And by the way, John Kerry, it's not like he earned that money. He married that money. And but he has his own private jet. And yet he happily explains how the folks who are losing their jobs, that 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 he and Joe Biden are just going to help them, quote, make better choices. What well, I have an idea, Senator, sending thing to say. And and that's what he said, and, and our hope is to get another good uh, paying job. Well, he has a big, fat carbon footprint on his, his private jet. Let him lead by yep. example, and he shouldn't even sell it. He should dismantle it so nobody else can have a big, fat carbon footprint. Now, don't we have a fleet of jets that these cabinet secretaries use all the time that we, the taxpayers, pay for? Don't you think it would be a, a real profile and courage if they had to go to the airport, go through TSA, and— and travel commercially like most of America? I think it would be a great thing, and I'll tell you what. I fly Southwest Airlines almost every week. For John Kerry, I'll save him the window seat, and he can come sit with the working-class people <laughs> whose jobs he's destroying. He, he, he's, and, and, you know, his answer, you, what you played a, a moment ago was his uh, press conference where he says, Kel surprise, or actually says Kel surprise, because he can't even, when he's trying to be French, he can't get it right. But what a dripping condescension. Of it's unbelievable. Saying, same press conference, he also says, well, they need to learn to build solar panels. Well, most solar panels right now are built in China. Are you telling union workers in America they got to move to China? To have jobs in Joe Biden, Biden's America? I mean, this is the Democrats prioritize donations from California environmentalist billionaires 
more than they prioritize jobs for working men and women for union members. I know a lot of people that really need, because of either medical conditions or age or comorbidities or, or compromised immune systems, that really really could use their chance to get the vaccination uh, that that we our brilliant scientists and, and medical professionals have put together, but uh, they haven't been able to get it yet. And it might be some time until they do. But the Pentagon has just announced that they're going to be vaccinating inmates at Gitmo uh, starting as early as next week. And, of course, uh, Biden now apparently plans to offer coronavirus uh, vaccines to the rest of the world as part of a uh, an announcement that they had. And I'm sitting here thinking, uh, excuse me, um, now we're going to make Putin and Russia and China and President Xi and Iran and the mullahs and other Middle Eastern countries rich on energy because we're stupid and we're going to just fire Americans from great paying, high paying jobs in a horrible job market. And they're not going to be able to replace them and they're skill specific. And now we're going to not only let those countries prosper, we'll suffer, we'll pay more for heat, more for gas. Now we're going to give the vaccine to Gitmo prisoners. We're going to give the vaccine to the rest of the world before we take care of the American people first. This is like, what is it now? America last. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, their priority, it's the opposite of America first. It, it, it is it, it is America last, but with one exception, except for the rich and with special privilege. The, the, those the Democratic elites, they've gotten their, their vaccinations. You know, I, I watched. AOC get her vaccination. Last I checked, she's a young, healthy person, but she gets first in line. Um, and now, listen, they offered that to every member of Congress. I'll tell you, I haven't gotten my vaccination yet. I intend to. But what I said at the time is I'm going to wait and let seniors and frontline medical personnel. I said get the first. same thing. You know, we need to give it to the people that need it most, frontline workers and, and older people and people that are sick and neighborhoods that are, you know, inordinately hit hard. Yeah, look, my mom is 86 and is a two-time cancer survivor. She's had her first vaccination. I was glad she contacted her doctor and got it. That's where we should be prioritizing it is to populations that, that, that have vulnerabilities. But the Democrats are the party of government. They're the status. They believe in government power. And hand-in-hand hand with government power is those with connections, those with special interests. They get preferential treatment. Listen, we saw that just this week with Robin Hood stopping the trading of GameStop. And then I, you, you think about this. You, you had a couple of hedge funds in New York shorting the stock, trying to make a bunch of money. And, and a bunch of ordinary citizens went out and bought the stock, drove the price up in, into the sky. And what did Robin Hood do? It shut down the ordinary citizens and said, no, you can't buy the stock anymore. And I got to say, that doesn't make I didn't like that either. But but all. I was wondering if they did it because they were afraid people that don't know what they're doing are going to lose a fortune. Because you and I both know that stock's going to tank eventually. Yeah. Look, that is certainly true. And I, and I haven't bought the stock. There's no doubt that it has spiked up over a thousand percent and it is almost certain to come crashing down. So a lot of people may lose their shirt. But right now, what what. Robin Hood and other places are allowing is is the rich and powerful right to that's play an advantage. The casino and ordinary Americans not to you know and you have a right 
to do something. How about else? they put a big warning that this stock is seems artificially high to us and our our opinion? Do what you want. Yeah, that would make an awful lot of sense. You can put a warning, but if we should have the same rules apply to everybody. There shouldn't Agreed. be one set of rules for the friends of, of Joe Biden and one set of rules for everybody else. I actually thought it was cool. It was David beating Goliath, and then in, then then Goliath starts begging for help uh, from the federal government because oh, no, they, they make money off this shorting game that hurts a lot of uh, small uh, companies. Uh, but now that they get burned, oh, they don't like it. They go running to mom and dad, the big government. Um, and so you said, wow, rare moment. I agree with AOC. You tried to have me murdered last week. Senator, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I remember the event as you calling for a legal audit of the election. By the way, something Democrats have done in the past. Well, that's that's exactly right. And this this whole kerfuffle started because AOC sent a tweet that actually made sense saying that that we need to ask why Robin Hood is shutting down ordinary citizens from trading and giving special rules for hedge funds. And and I saw it and read it and said, huh, I'll be damned. I actually agree with what she's saying. So I retweeted it. and I, I wrote two words, fully agree, and, and then simply a, a arrow pointing down. And and she responded by, by losing her mind, by, by sending a series of screaming tweets accusing me of trying to have her murdered, which which is really unhinged. And, and, and I got to <laughs> say, think? John, <laughs> it, 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 it reflects where the congressional Democrats are now. They're filled with rage. They're filled with hatred. And for four years, the Democrats and the media have defined themselves and their party by hatred for Donald J. Trump. That's who they are. They don't believe in anything other than hating Trump. Now, Mm-hmm. When they have control of the White House, both houses of Congress, they're trying to kill everyone. It's like the end of the Godfather movies, where they're trying, like Michael Corleone at the end of every movie, settles his debts and tries to eliminate his enemies. That's what AOC and the left is trying to do. They're trying to destroy President Trump. They're trying to destroy me. They're trying to destroy every conservative. They want to destroy you, and they want to take the 75 million Americans who voted for Trump and, and, and try to falsely paint them as a bunch of racist, bigoted rubes who need to be canceled and erased from society. And, yeah. and it's well, this, this, this it's spontaneous bizarre. insurrection, it turns out the pipe bombs were planted the night before, according to the FBI. Uh, Senator, we live in troubled times. Uh, you are an emerging voice of leadership and sanity. And uh, keep up the good work. We appreciate you checking in with us. Thank you, my friend. God bless, and thank you for what you do each and every day. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. All right, let's get to our busy phones on this Friday. Penny, Wyoming, next on the Sean Hannity Show. Hi, Sean. Um, I was calling you because, you know, here in Wyoming, we have one representative only, and our representative is Liz Cheney. So the state goes, went big for Donald Trump. And so when she voted for impeachment, everyone felt like she really stabbed us in the back. You know, look, I, I'll tell you what's frustrating to me, and I'm sure the people of my own, Wyoming feel the same way. Um, look, by the way, she has a primary announced primary challenger that is now that has now taken a double digit lead. 
Um, Matt Gates, Congressman Florida, has been leading the way, and a lot of other Republicans are saying, well, why are you in leadership? Now, I don't talk that much about it. Here's what frustrates me about the John McCain's of the world, the Mitt Romney's of the world, you know, in this case, the Cheney's. And, and I had a great relationship with Vice President Dick Cheney um, when he was vice president. I think he was a, a true, you know, great American patriot and, you know, served his country honorably, et cetera. What bothers me is, you know, John McCain was never really a conservative, but we're all told, always told by the establishment, well, it's the lesser of two evils. What, what are you going to do? Vote for Barack Obama in 2008? No, that wasn't an option. In 2012, what are you, you going to vote to reelect Barack Obama? No, that wasn't an option. Uh, so as conservatives, you know what? We're, we're always asked to, to jump on board. Now, Bush and Cheney were fiercely attacked regularly. And the people that were defending the, the, the administration at the time were people like me and Rush and Mark and, and every other Republican, um, even though we didn't have 100% perfect agreement, a lot of times it didn't matter. Uh, and, and this is what frustrates me. Look, look at Mitt Romney, perfect example. He's called a racist, a misogynist, a sexist. They, they attacked him personally. They accused him of, of cutting a kid's hair in high school. There was uh, undertones attacking his religious, his deeply held religious faith, which is unbelievable. All of this goes on. We're, the, we're on the front lines defending the better choice for America at the time. And Liz Cheney is now in a position of leadership. And if she has some criticisms of, of whatever, she should definitely, I guess, express them. If this is really her heartfelt view, I just don't understand it because the president at that rally did say uh, many of you will peacefully, 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 peacefully and patriotically. Uh, march to the Capitol to let your voices be heard. And and she ought to know it's unconstitutional, too. But for whatever reason, and, and you can bet that the Cheneys didn't vote for for Donald J. Trump and the and the if I had to venture my best guess in the last election. And it's just a, a little bit frustrating to me. And, and the same goes for like these NRO guys, never Trumper guys. It, it's just it, to me, it's beyond the pale. And then they claim that they're conservative. They're not. That's the other part of it that rubs me the wrong way. They have a right to their opinions. They can do whatever they want. I'm, I've not wasted a lot of time on this program discussing the Never Trumpers. But if if that's Liz Cheney's position, in my view, I agree with Matt Gates. She doesn't belong in leadership. And the people of Wyoming will make their decision when the primary comes up, I guess, in a year and a half or so. And I could I could see a scenario where she loses. And I think that people understand, like I do, instinctively, that there's something fundamentally, you know, there's one thing the president always said, President Trump in exile now, that he always said that Democrats never break ranks. And he's right. Republicans always create a circular firing squad that you can almost always count on that. And that's it's a it's a shame. Uh, you know, Reagan often said, if we're 80 percent in agreement, you know, you're not my enemy. You're my friend. We can't have honest, heartfelt disagreement. The Constitution shouldn't be one of those issues. This is fundamentally a post-presidential impeachment, and it's done punitively. It's done for one purpose, and that's to purge Donald Trump from the party. Although the poll this week was very clear that if the choice comes down to 
Make America Great Again and American First Agenda and Donald Trump versus the Republican Party. Yeah, the the Make America Great Again, America First policy wins. So it's going to be interesting to watch what happens out by you, Penny. Yes, it is. And yesterday we had Matt Gates come in and do a rally at the Capitol. And it gave us, I I felt really hopeful. You know, it's... um, Hundreds of people showed up for a guy that is from Florida. That's a pretty interesting observation to me. Isn't it? Yep. He was wonderful. And, And he brought that whole feature that we, why we wanted Trump because of America and American people. And he seemed to relate to us better than Liz Cheney ever. Well, maybe he'll move to Wyoming and you can elect him out there. I don't know. All right, Penny, thank you. We appreciate you being with us. Have a great weekend. Uh, Let us say hi to Marvin is in South Carolina. Marvin, hi. How are you? What part of South Carolina are you in? Uh, I'm in uh, Spartanburg right now. I'm originally from Columbia. Oh, they have a whole steakhouse there. What's going on? Uh, oh, they do, Sean. I, I I appreciate you taking my call, Sean. Uh, you you uh, said something several times, and I've had several other people say say the same thing. And that if you want to know what the Democrats are going to do, you just listen to what they say. And John Kerry, when he did that little interview the other day, he was talking about how in uh, venture capitalists and investors and you know these big wheels with the money. They see an opportunity with these policies of Joe Biden, these green policies, to make a lot of money. Well, the cat's out the bag now. Now we already know how they feel. They are doing this so they can make money. They don't care about the American people. They don't care about these people that lost their jobs on the Keystone Pipeline. They don't care about the everyday blue-collar American. All they care about are their friends that are going to make money and put money in their families' pockets, their kids, their children, just like Hunter Biden and Nancy Pelosi's son and Nancy Pelosi's husband. And, and, and there, there, there's one other thing also, Sean, with, with this thing, with the, with the energy, with the Keystone uh, pipeline, uh, I, I think it was uh, the gentleman who, who uh, wrote one of the books uh, about the, the Clinton cash. And, and it, he, he made mention that there are direct ties of Hunter Biden to Burisma and other energy companies, and that if Joe Biden were to get elected, what would happen is that their families were going to make money off of the energy industries in Europe. And lo and behold, that's exactly what is going to happen. He's already starting to kill the industry in the United States, hand it to Russia, hand it to China. And and, and if, if somebody can just open their eyes and just look at where the money is, I'm positive it can all, all be come out. Listen, we we have a full. Remember, it's now a criminal investigation into zero experience Hunter. But remember what the mob did. Remember what big tech did. They literally they blacked out any coverage of the true story of Hunter Biden's laptop. That's how corrupt they are. And, you know, we want to talk about owing the American people an apology for never ending lies, conspiracy theories. Now, now they're just purging all and any conservative thought. You want to talk about insightful language? We'll we'll play all their language all day long. We'll talk about insurrectionist-sounding language. We'll be glad to play them. Anyway, thank you, Marvin. We're going to stay on it, I promise. Uh, You're talking about Secret Empires and Clinton Cash. Those are Peter Schweitzer's best-selling books. Uh, Back to our phone. Steven is in Texas. Steven, you're on the Sean Hannity Show. Glad you called. Hey, Sean. How's it going? Uh, I'm good, sir. How are you? I work at a coal-fired power plant here in Texas. I, I worked at one previously, and it was shut down. 
and uh, found another job at another one. Uh, so they, John Kerry gets on TV the other day and says, you know, we're going to kill all coal and all gas, and we're going to give these workers new, better-paying jobs. Well, who says that the guys that work in the oil field and the power plants want to build uh, windmills or solar panels? So they're going to put us out of work and starve us to death for two or three years so they get those open? Well, remember, then, the, the, uh, these are skills a job we don't want. They're very, very technical. I mean, you're talking about, you know, you, you're going to spend 15, 20 years to get become an expert um, on the very specific skill that you need as it relates to oil drilling and fracking and pipeline building. The, these are not it's not easy to just translate those skills over to an entirely different industry and field. And when you have people making over a hundred grand a year, and there are tens of thousands of them, and you're just going to, with a stroke of a pen, wipe out their industry completely and wipe out any career trajectory for them, and then say, "Well, there's going to be other better union jobs in green energy," arrogantly, well, that that's just not going to happen. And if they do get other jobs, it, it, it it's it's going to require an entirely different specific skill set and not only that we've never been able to prove that any of this is ever going to be successful and i could tell you the simple math of it all is that it's cost prohibitive which is why it hasn't happened until now and so you know we're going to take cheap energy the lifeblood of our economy now we'll be reliant on countries abroad many of whom hate our guts uh, they'll be getting richer. We'll be getting poorer. They'll be have hiring people while we're firing people. Their economies will begin to grow, and you're going to make Middle Eastern countries rich again, Russia rich again, Iran rich again, and China rich again. Forget about America first. It's like America last. I mean, I couldn't believe the Biden administration is going to vaccinate. Let's see, Gitmo first, and you know, I I just cannot even believe it. I mean, now you've got, you know, we, we literally, they, they've decided before America even reach, reaches herd immunity, well, we're just going to give it to other countries. No, we ought, to, we ought to focus on Americans first. Protect the American people, not America last, America first. And that's why uh, it's not going to be long, and there's going to be buyer's remorse and a real understanding of people that this is these are disastrous policies. One thing you, you've got to understand, people asking me all the time, well, what can we do? What can we do? What can we do? We got to understand something here. There's a lot of things going on at once, and we can all walk and chew gum at the same time. Remember that we better start now and in ensuring integrity and confidence in our election system. And that's going to take your pressure to state legislators to make that happen. The other thing that is, I, I, it's very, very appealing. The whole idea that everything is free and all your worry and all your stress and all your fears in life. And I'm not talking about unnatural stress, the stress that, you know, requires you to pay your rent and pay your heating bill and put food on your table, which everybody has. You know, here comes the government, the same government that can't keep your cities safe and secure and restore law and order. The same cities run by liberal Democrats and states run by liberal Democrats that have failed our children on a spectacular level as it relates to education or Obamacare. Keep your doctor plan and save money. Millions lose their doctors, their plans, and we're all paying 200 percent more at least. 
And now we're going to put the, our trust that, that they're going to take, they're going to educate our kids more. No, thank you. And that we're going to count on them for a government guaranteed job and healthy food and health care and retirement and, and the rest of it. That's the, none of this is going to ever come to fruition. This is the big lie. And every American needs to know it's a big lie. So when it happens and it comes to fruition, well, it didn't work again. Socialism, it is it, it is roadkill all over the globe. Everywhere it's tried, whatever name or manifestation it's taken on, it always fails. Broken promises, unfulfilled promises, more poverty, and then it's a matter of how much of your freedom you lost in the process. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. All right, final hour free-for-all coming up next. News Roundup Information Overload Hour. That's all straight ahead, and we'll get to your calls in the next half hour. Also, uh, Frank Stallone is going to be with us. What an incredible story. Remember, he's, he's Sly Stallone's brother. was a big part of his brother's work and Rocky and, and all these other great films. He's got incredible stories to tell, uh, which should be fun on a Friday. Uh, we'll check in with Leo 2.0 and R- Reverend C.L. Bryant. Uh, tonight on Hannity, America last policies. How's that all working out? Yeah, now we also are discovering discovering that, yeah, pipe bombs were found near the Capitol uh, and RNC and DNC that were placed there the night before what happened on January 6th. Well, I guess this was not the spontaneous and incited riot of Donald J. Trump. It sounds like it was planned in advance. And it sounds like our intelligence failed. And it sounds like our law enforcement was not prepared for what they should have known was coming, which is why we need a 9-11 style commission to study and prevent anything like this from ever happening again. But it also renders this phony impeachment, you know, uh, absolutely it, it debunks it all. Quick break. Right back. More on the other side. All right, news roundup and information overload hour, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of this extravaganza, uh, the ever-weak, frail, cognitively struggling Joe uh, as part of his, what, 40 executive orders, et cetera, et cetera. We can no longer use the term China virus or Wuhan virus. Also directing the administration to address racial bias and housing programs and end the Justice Department's use of private prisons. I'm not really sure why all the new executive uh, orders setting a record, tripling the combined amount of the last three presidents, 43, Obama and President Trump. Uh, He said, we're not a dictatorship. You know, we're a democracy. Got to get the votes. Got to get the votes. Okay, well, he's not getting the votes. He's just, through executive fiat, putting people's lives and careers uh, uh, in jeopardy and out of work and seemingly not caring all in the name of his insane New Green Deal climate madness. Um, What frustrated me during the campaign is Joe Biden. You know, this is a guy that praised the former Klansman. This is a guy that partnered with the former Klansman for the purpose of stopping integration of public schools. Imagine any Republican having that history. What do you think? The, how do you think the media would react to all of that? I mean, it's, it's just such a, a flagrant double standard. You can't go to a Dunkin' Donuts or a, or, you know, a 7-Eleven unless you have a slate Indian accent. Obama, you know, for the first time, he's clean and and articulate and all this and man that's storybook 
Really sick stuff. Just to remind you some of the classics. In Delaware, the largest growth in population is Indian Americans moving from India. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. And you don't know my state. My state was a slave state. My state is a border state. My state is the eighth largest black population in the country. You got the first sort of mainstream African American who is articulate and bright and and, and clean and nice looking guy. I mean, that's a storybook. Unchain Wall Street. They're going to put you all back in chains. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. We have this notion that somehow if you're poor, you cannot do it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. I'm a 29-year-old oddball. The only reason I was able to raise the money is I was able to have a national constituency to run for office. Because I was 29, I'm like the token black or the token woman. I was the token young person. If we don't, they will, or a portion of them will, become the predators 15 years from now. And Madam President, we have predators on our streets. I think the two-party system, although my Democratic colleagues don't like me saying this, I think the two-party system is good for the South and good for the good for the black in the South. Yes, and by the way, what you all know, but most people don't know, unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community. Although I and my colleagues behind me revere the Senate, uh, Robert C. Byrd elevated the Senate. He was fiercely devoted, as you've all heard, to his principles. Even once he became power, he always spoke truth to power. Standing up for the people he proudly was part of. All right, there's the best of Joe here to discuss, here to debate, here to go over all of this. Reverend C.L. Bryant, author of The Race for Freedom, senior fellow, Freedom Works, Leo Terrell, Civil rights attorney, Leo 2.0, as we call him, Fox News contributor. Leo, we start with you here today. This, you know, all throughout this campaign, nobody in the media mob, uh, nobody in big tech. As I say, he, you know, Biden was hiding in his basement in the big tech media mob candidate protection program and answered no questions. And everything I told you he stood for, in fact, he's now implementing. I'll tell you, Sean, Joe Biden should be canceled, just like they're trying to cancel conservatives. You know, the the biggest joke around is that Joe Biden gets away with the racist conduct and comments because he has a D in front of his name. And then he parades Susan Rice out there this week and talk about systemic discrimination. I'm going to tell you this right now to all your radio listeners. There is no systemic discrimination in this country. I'll ask Joe Biden, Susan Rice, name me the city, name me the department, name me the town. They yelled that out all last summer when they were burning down Democratic cities, talking about discrimination, when they were being run by the same people, Democrats, black, browns, and whites. This is a game that the Democrats have played. This is not 1950. And what I find amazing is most blacks and browns are figuring it out because a lot of blacks and browns start voting for Trump this year in realizing that the Democrats want to keep us dependent on the government. One final point. The, the Democratic Party and the teachers union want to keep 
people of color impoverished by denying us school choice. You want to get out of poverty? Give us school choice. That'll break the poverty cycle. Let me go to C.L. Bryant, Reverend C.L. Um, yeah, there are definitely people that are racist, but they're they're universally condemned in this society. Um, I know this false narrative every two and four years. Republicans are racist, sexist, xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic. They want dirty air and dirty water, and they want grandma and grandpa to die, to starve and die. It's a lie. It's always been a lie. And fascinatingly, you know, if you look at, okay, where has the most success, record low after record low after record low unemployment levels, for minorities in America, especially pre-COVID, because of Donald Trump's conservative policies, low taxes, less bureaucracy, controlling the borders. You know, Sean, uh, the, the most amazing thing about this, if we are truthful with ourselves, there's not one thing that I can point to as a happen to be black American that my skin color will stop me from being if I want to be that in America. Leo is absolutely right. This is not 1950, and he and I came from that era. But I can tell you, having been a long-time black conservative, is that even pre-association, these people, I'm talking about the Democrats, Joe Biden's regime, would like to take away from me being a black conservative. If I don't uh, participate with them, if I don't walk with them, if I in lockstep with them, then somehow they want to restrict who Leo and I should associate with. This is un-American, and I'm telling you that the... You're not, I, I guess, CL, you're not allowed to be friends with Sean Hannity, although, like you, I'm trying to be a good Christian. You're a much better Christian than I am. I am learning. I know I need... We all need forgiveness. I'm the one that needs the forgiveness part, like every... Well, I guess we all do. Uh, but the point well, is... We all do. But the, but the point is, you know, we all believe, I, it's fundamental to our faith that we're all God's children. God, God made every man, woman, and child on this planet, period. And the, the, the difference is the propensity for good or the propensity, unfortunately, for some, for evil. Absolutely. And the character of our nation, Sean, is being reshaped. And we are wanting, they are wanting us to be codependent and have that type of codependent relationship, erasing all desire to individually achieve. And, Sean, they call it the Super Bowl. And let me tell you something, man. We're in that season, and there's going to be a winner. There's going to be a loser. Such is the way of life. That's what made America great, the winners, the losers. And if you lost, you came back, and you were better the next time. That's the spirit of competition. And, yes, I do again agree with Leo on the fact that what does raise the possibilities of that is the ability for parents, which it takes to raise a child, not necessarily a village. It takes parents to raise a child, but for them to choose the type of education their child will have. That's what we champion at Freedom Works. This gets to the heart and soul of of why I will say that all of the socialistic redistribution, New Green Deal, John Kerry, we only have nine years left, only nine. A few years ago, we only had 12 years left to fix this and reverse this. And then being so cavalier to get rid of high-paying career jobs. I had a couple of guys on the program last night, Leo, and and they're describing their profession, and it is their profession. And they go out in the field and they build the pipelines and they work on the rigs and, and they've been working there their entire lives, building up their profession and their skill. It's a very specified skill. And with a stroke of a pen, 
those high paying jobs, hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, two hundred and fifty thousand dollar jobs are gone. Where are they going to get the jobs, uh, Leo? Because if you look at blue states that run by liberal Democrats for decades and blue cities, we see the worst schools. We see more crime, uh, less security, less safety, less law, less order. And it, it is universal. And then they make these lofty socialistic promises they'll never keep, Leo. Sean, I saw your television program. I saw those workers. That man was in tears. He, with a stroke of a pen, Joe Biden has wiped out ten to 12,000 high-paying so-called union jobs. And then you have John Kerry, John Kerry behind a podium, a man who has a private jet, fossil fuel, and he talks about, well, we're going to convert these jobs. When? Right now, we're in a pandemic. These people are hurting, and yet Joe Biden, in an attempt to appease the left, just been signing these executive orders one after another to hurt people, not to help people. The number one obligation of the president right now is to open up the economy like they have done in Florida and to vaccinate everyone else, not to initiate a Green New Deal, not to raise $15 an hour, open the economy, allow people to work. But I'll tell you this, Sean, that Joe Biden is really being controlled and manipulated by the left. And like you said, if it's 9 o'clock when your show comes on, Joe Biden is already in bed. He's, he's, he's in bed and sleep. He's, he's already had his applesauce, his hot milky, and he's, you know, he's, he's probably been passed out for a good hour and 15, 20 minutes by that point. Uh, Reverend C.L., well, it doesn't seem, look, everyone gets mad at me now. All of a sudden, I've been saying it the whole campaign, Reverend C.L., you know, he doesn't look like the same guy we, we saw four years ago. He, he seems like he's gotten a lot more frail and weak and we all know he's struggling cognitively, except I'm the only one, I guess, that has the guts to say it because people tell me all the time, they ask me all the time, what the hell is up with this? Well, let's ride that horse even further, Sean. You can look at him and tell that he is mindlessly doing what he has been told to do when he is signing those orders. All of us, though, as Americans, are being held hostage right now. Our oil and gas industry, if it goes away, then we're going to see people who are desperately unemployed. And i got to tell you, that's going to be every color, every stripe in this country. Donald John Trump warned us what would happen if we allowed Joe Biden to become to sit in that office. I will not refer to him as president. Just forgive me if you can. And if you can't, that's too bad. But I do not and will not until it is audited. The, the entire, all of the votes have been audited. I cannot uh, express that he is the legitimate president of the United States. That's just me. I don't know how you feel about it. I feel exactly like you do. And, and I'm just telling you, you know, this is sad because we're talking about tens of thousands of jobs. Now, add to the equation, not only the worst pandemic in 100 years, now you can add to it uh, the bigger blow. Oh, we're going to have 11 million people getting amnesty, at least 11 million. And they'll be competing in the workplace with fewer jobs and driving wages down lower and lower and lower and lower. And Leo 2.0, uh, you don't have to be a genius to figure that out. When I hear AOC and Bernie Sanders say, yes, we like what Joe Biden is doing. Uh, AOC and Bernie Sanders represent socialism, socialism. 
And people cannot forget, I haven't forgotten, that Donald Trump gave us the lowest unemployment rate among minorities, people of color, gender. He gave us the First Step Act to resurrect what Joe Biden, well, well to undo what Joe Biden did in 1994. He, has, he did more for this economy. He kept us out of war. And it hasn't been, I don't forget that. And my concern is that Joe Biden, it is attempt to appease the left. Whenever you hear AOC and, and Bernie Sanders say, good start, Joe, this country's in trouble. And we got to make sure we have Trump Republicans keeping these socialists in check. Not Republicans, Trump Republicans. All right, I got to let you guys go. Leo 2.0 and Reverend C.L. Bryan, thank you both, as always, for being with us. I know exactly the day I opened my mouth to sing. It was a Sunday, all the relatives over the house. It was an old Italian song. And I didn't know what the hell the words were. I was like six, seven years old. It was, combate. All of a sudden, I just start singing along with it. It just seemed natural. For some reason, it was effortless for me. I never had a pitch problem. I could just sing. Please welcome Frank Stallone. 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 And his world and his talent he's you know every bit as good as i am at what i try to do he's a five-tool guy he can sing he can act he can perform he can write and he can fight like a son he was always kind of performing he had this kind of theatrical thing frank was always kind of on he sings his ass off always did frank has style and frank has endurance he likes to talk a lot <laughs> he can talk he's a force he's the real deal Everybody knows, yeah, he did a little doo-wop thing in the first Rocky film. And they think, oh, that's cute. You know, Sylvester had his brother sing a little thing at the beginning. And then you dig deeper and you find out, wow, this guy's a tremendous musical artist in his own right. It was something I was born to do. And I was able for once in my life to be able to show people what I could do. This is the chance of a lifetime. He was into music 24 hours a day. I knew that was his calling. He never quit. I don't think the public took him serious. People are going to be thinking of Sylvester Stallone. You just think of him as soon as you see Frank. It's not easy because you live in the shadow, and every time you get a great job, you know, people say you probably got that because of your brother. He didn't. He got this because of his talent. He's gone through hell. I mean, they would put signs up appearing tonight. Rocky's brother. Rocky's brother. Oh, man, come on. I felt like a complete and absolute failure. Frank, I'm sure, knew what he was getting himself into. He just loved to play. It's like that beat I gave you last night must have rattled your bells, huh? I always wonder what has kept me in this game. But, you know, I just keep coming back to I love it. All right, that is the trailer that has come out, a new documentary. It's called Stallone, Frank, that is. Uh, video on demand and digital right now. Uh, we've known Frank for a long time. Uh, Frank, welcome back to the program, my friend. How are you? Sean, it's great to talk to you from rainy California. Uh, <laughs> the only thing you can legitimately whine about for California is that you live in a socialist here. hellhole uh, <laughs> with the highest taxes in the country. Uh, but New York's about to break your record. You're about to become number two. So stay tuned well, for that. I think I'm heading to Florida following my brother. <laughs> so, so here's the amazing thing. And yeah. I never knew this was an issue for you. I mean, I'm listening to the trailer of your new documentary, and, and Stallone Frank, that is, obviously... Mm -hmm. 
you know, you, you everybody knows your brother Sylvester Stallone. Of Everyone course. loves Rocky, the franchise. Yeah. Um, of course, but you have all of these accomplishments as a musician. Mm-hmm. For example, three mm-hmm. platinum albums, ten gold albums, five gold singles. Yeah. Uh, you've been on mm-hmm. the charts worldwide, praised by Sinatra, Tony Bennett. We heard Arnold Schwarzenegger in there. Uh, you've done soundtrack work for The Expendables yeah. and, let's see, Saturday Night Fever's sequel, Staying Alive, uh, and Rocky 1, 2, and 3, and Rambo 2. I mean, it's so you have this whole other life and career and mm-hmm. great success on your own, separate and apart from your brother. And I guess it's become a pain in your ass to always be introduced as, as, oh. as uh, Sly Stallone's brother, Rocky's brother. You know, Sean, I think a lot of people misinterpreted things like I was mad at him. I was never mad at him. I mean, he made his thing. It's just that I'd been in the business, like, for at that time when Rocky came out professionally, 14 years. So all of a sudden, overnight, I was Frank Stallone's rock band, Frank This. We were like a big band in New Jersey, and we were going for an RCA record deal. And then all of a sudden, I went from Frank Stallone to Rocky's brother. And it was, like, really weird... And it took me a while to kind of get it that when I was on these talk shows with my group, they go, yeah, you guys sound really great. Hey, so what's it like being Rocky's brother? So basically, I was there kind of as cannon fodder, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> for, for, for them to like get information about Sly. And he felt bad about it, too. I mean, remember, my brother used to help me carry my equipment into my gigs. So he was like the most you know, you're, From my world. understanding, and, and it's been a while since yeah. we've spoken, but, you know, you guys yeah. are really tight. You like each other a lot. You get along well. You love oh, each yeah, other. Oh, yeah, we do like each other. Yeah, he's the funniest guy I know. He's actually unbelievably funny in this documentary. You know, he talks about handcuffing me to a fire escape with Army <laughs> Surplus handcuffs. Yeah. And, and by the way, is, I yeah, forgot... Goes, that you had, because I'm friends with Geraldo. Geraldo just loses his mind temporarily and oh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. P- yeah. politically, but then eventually I bring him back around. Um, yeah, exactly. And he, you know, I mean, we're like brothers, but when we disagree on politics, we fight like, oh, we fight no, like I brothers. Oh, I every night. I know. Um, but you got in the ring with him, and this was a, a, yeah. a an event you did with Howard Stern, but you were actually, yeah. you had, you'd been a little bit of a, I don't know, sort of a professional boxer. Didn't you have like 30 yeah. fights? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I didn't really want to fight him. I was doing Howard Stern's show, basically, just to promote something I was doing. And, and when I got there, Geraldo was on the speakerphone talking to Howard, saying that he was training all the time boxing, that he would fight any celebrity. Now, I had absolutely no intention of getting back in the ring. I hadn't been in the ring in 12 years. In those days, you know, smoking cigarettes. And, you know, I was doing what rock and roll guys do. No no drugs, but I'm just saying I wasn't in boxing shape. They talked me into this stupid fight. And, you know, I came into the ring. I bruised my ribs. I was a mess. And so he talked me into this thing. I didn't get anything other than a busted hand. But you know what? Geraldo showed it. It was the highest rated show that Howard Stern had at that at that time. It was simulcast on TV and radio at the same time. So, but we listen. I want both of you. I got to give credit to both of you. Now, you did end up winning the fight, if mm-hmm. I re- recall. But he showed up. He showed up. I mean, Geraldo's oh, no, a gutsy a guy. He, no, Geraldo, he's, Geraldo's not a punk. He'll if you no. he'll fight. He's not he'll afraid. F- no. Not, you know, he always says to me, because I train mixed martial arts, I'm like in my eighth year, and I, I take it really seriously. I do it an hour and a yeah. half a day, five days a week. And, you know, people laughed at me in the beginning, like my own son used to laugh at me. And I'm like, he won't, if I start like going after him for fun and just to play around with him, all right, Dad, all right, all right, got it, I got it. 
you know, because I'm about to. And your son's laughing until you give him a hammer fist, and then all of a sudden. Yeah, you know, I'll put him in a, a rear naked choke, or. Uh, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. I wish uh, I was. and he's like, ah, ah, okay, 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 <laughs> tap, tap, tap. He's what he on. says. <laughs> I wish I would have gotten into martial arts as well, because it wasn't really popular in the 60s like it is now. I mean, oh, I love, I love the were... octagon. Do you love the octagon? These guys are animals, man. Jeez. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I you know, and I tell people all the time, you know, and people ask me, well, what do you do when people, you know, are confrontational in public? I'm like, I, I say hi. Yeah, you know, uh, there's no words that people are going to use that's going to offend me. And and I'll no. do, Frank, I'll do everything I can possibly do to walk away, run away. I'll even it, walk fast backwards and I'm, just because I, I don't ever want to have to use what yeah. I know to be very blunt and it's not bragging. I'm just telling you I've no, learned a lot. Because you know, Sean, the average person can't take a punch. They don't even know no. like like Mike Tyson said, everyone's brave till they get hit in the face. And you know, you the stuff you've learned in the dojos, I mean it doesn't as you know, it doesn't take that much to disable somebody. I mean it could be real quick and pretty and pretty pretty nasty and I've uh, Found well, out you know, we actually time. have, like, one of the, my sensei, Sensei Glenn is his name, and mm-hmm. I got to tell you, what we he makes me do pain day. He, you know the scene in the, in I think it was the last Rocky, the one where he gives his son the lecture, which I play on the air all the time. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, nothing's going to hit as hard as life itself. It no matter how hard you can get hit, no matter how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, keep moving That's forward. Right. Uh, anyway, yeah. that's that's my best imitation. But anyway, well, that's a- but you know when the, but the scenes where like they're they're doing real hitting to his stomach. I I do that training. I I stretch oh, yeah. my arms out, and he pounds fist pounds my my arms. I mean, I you, you see stars during pain day, because if you <laughs> ever have that. to engage somebody, you got to be able to take a hit. You got to be able to take it. You know, like when you see the documentary, there's some footage of my brother and I sparring, and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. This is before Rocky came out, and like we're two spazzes, actually. I mean, it's unbelievable watching that, realizing that we went on to where we went on to do. I mean, but there's so much fun stuff in this movie. I think that we've been getting really, it's, it's interesting, Sean, really getting a lot of great positive uh, feedback because it's really about perseverance. It's around, you know, you know, like you, like you always talk about, you were a construction guy. I mean, you probably had no idea you'd be where you are now. Oh my God, no, uh, Frank, Let me tell you, my 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 parents are in heaven in a state of shock. You know, I don't yeah. even think God's been able to snap them out of the state. Of, I was an incorrigible like kid. I was a I was a trouble making kid. Yeah, well, you know, it's the Italian and Irish. You know, we uh, always were born to start trouble. But the thing is. It's it's very interesting that you think. I mean, I knew at a very 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 young age that I wanted to be a rock and roll star. I from the first time I saw Elvis in 1956, yours kind of parallels my brother's because no one thought he would be anything but a juvenile delinquent. I mean, he was he <laughs> had no uh, artsy fartsy type notions at all. It wasn't like he was like you know this. Uh, but do you want to know something? And but and and by, and one of the coolest stuff you do is the doo-wop in in Rockies. I I think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean that brings that brings uh, back memories. To be honest, yeah, take you back. Yeah, take you back. And, but here's the thing. I mean, I look at that movie, and I I it, it's my whole life. I relate completely to that. Obviously, it's not boxing. Mm-hmm. I just jumped every time the door opened. I said, "Okay, let me dive. I'll I'll try it." And I had no idea where I'd land. But you know, Sean, the thing is why Rocky, I think you'll find this in this movie, there's a little, you know, because I've almost kind of lived 
the Rocky life because everyone has a preconceived idea of who I am, but they don't know anything about me. But they figure, well, I just Rocky probably couldn't possibly be any good. But it's like, but that's what the story Rocky is about. It's about a guy getting a chance just to just to kind of either fail or go out on the shield. And uh, you know, I had success. I you know, I don't have the success I think I wanted. I mean, of course. When you start as a young guy, as a musician, of course you want to be playing the, the giant stadiums and all that stuff. So I didn't really get a chance to do But I've had Frank Sinatra announce me from the stage. That's not too bad. It's <laughs> not too bad. You had Frank Sinatra. Um, you, have, you had other great icons, Tony Bennett. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, now, it's, it's kind of cool because... Sibling rivalry is is an interesting thing. You know, I I, yeah. I I can tell you with my kids, I've never brought my work home. I don't come home and talk yeah. about politics or my problems at work. No, ever. you can't. You go crazy, yeah. No, I mean, and honestly, I never talk to them about being a conservative. And I'm not even no. going to talk about them now about it. But, but yeah. it's interesting now that they're older, you know, mm-hmm. when they, they bring it to me. They they mm-hmm. want to they want to engage me in it where they never did before, but it was not my, I never initiated it, and what I always tell them I said, look, God created you guys, God gave you unique talent, whatever it is, you got to find what you're here for. You know, I yeah. said, you know, I, I mean, just I had a big mouth, and I've, then that's what I got as a gift. You know what, Sean? I've always been conservative, even though, I mean, I'm one of the rock and roll guys that was always up at five thirty in the morning. I wasn't a druggie or anything, but I was always conservative because you have to understand, I'm seventy years old, so. Everyone I grew up with was either Old World school. War One, World War Two, Korea. Yeah. All the cops were all like World War Two veterans, so there was no such thing of like. And I went to military school, so the, the idea of uh, desecrating American flag was just unheard of. You just would never do it. Like when a policeman would walk up to you, go, "Hey, kid, I want to talk to you." You would get over there because that was there was a different authoritarian thing, and people respected other people's stuff because we didn't have social media where you could be a tough guy. You had to confront yeah. someone face to face. Keyboard warriors naked in their basement. Stuff. Yeah, I know. You know, I, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this: it, there's a lot of dynamics here, and uh-huh. it sounds like your journey. You know, you kind of sounds like it got annoying to live in the shadow of your brother. But you and mm-hmm. tell me if I'm wrong. I hear that you've emerged on the other side of it, loving his success and 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 but oh, yeah. you know also loving your own success. Yeah, I mean, I'm very listen. I, I you know, I'm doing a lot better than a lot of other people. I mean, I mean, I have a nice place to live. I you know, I don't play as much as I'd like to in concerts, and uh, but I'm pretty lucky. My health is good. My mother, God rest her soul, lived in a month shy of 99 and still drove, believe it or not. And she had this uh, forward-thinking power, as my brother does. I mean, Sly was a totally unlikely person to be a movie star. He was big. He was muscular. He kind of slurred. And, you know, so we, we kind of come from the same cloth. You know, my father yeah. was a hairdresser. You know, my mother. Listen, it's just a, it's job. an awesome story. Uh, video on demand, digital. It's called Stallone, Frank, that is. Incredible life you're living. We've all been very blessed. Congratulations on it all. And we'll put a link to it on Hannity.com, my friend, and I hope we can catch up soon. I hope we'll talk to you, brother. I think all right, my brother. Thank you. Took my too. best to your brother. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. America Last Policies, Rick Perry, Peter Schweitzer. Uh, oh, you ever watch uh, Wolf of Wall Street? Know the the character that Leonardo DiCaprio plays, Jordan Belfort? 
He's going to join us about this this whole issue involving the David and Goliath Wall Street brawl. Uh, Greg Jarrett, Joe Concha, much more. Set your DVR at 9 Eastern. Hannity on Fox. We'll see you then. Have a great weekend. We'll be back here on Monday.